This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone, and good afternoon, Claudette. It sounds like you were felled by the same bug that caught me last week. I was wondering, as you can tell, I'm just keeping my voice to a <laughs> dull roar. Yeah, I'm, I'm coughing off the air a lot, uh-huh. but this is the first time in years I've done that so you I've noticed you were struggling a little bit oh, last week. Yeah, Is that I was an understatement? Struggling. Yeah. Oh. Yeah so same kind of thing. A lot of coughing a lot of coughing and I'm used to coughing a lot because okay. I have a bit of asthma or something yep. going on but uh, yeah a lot of coughing that congestion um, it's fairly fast moving. Oh good. Uh, <laughs> it seemed to get uh, I seem to get the better of it somewhere around midday Saturday. Okay <laughs> so, good. Um, yeah but I was in here on Friday and I realized once I was in I was like mm, maybe yeah it, it's a tough call it yeah. really is because sometimes you feel like you can work so yeah. you do I mean I felt you like felt I could fine. you know yeah, I, I felt, feel good yeah but it's just that lingering mm-hmm. yeah and then you're just not wanting to pass along to others I did check in with my naturopath so I have to up my vitamin C which I'll get after work I think. And that's why we have these things here in our studios <laughs> these spray machines that you Oh yes, those the hand sanitize sanitizing. everything. Yeah. Yes so uh, thank you COVID for uh, introducing <laughs> that into our lives but uh, yeah so anyway I hope you feel better I won't thank be bothering you. you too much now over the course of the show uh, in case people are wondering where's Claudette too? Well she's uh, she sounds like this a bit so uh, like I did on Friday <laughs> Anyway, speaking of healthcare, uh, an explosive article published by the Globe and Mail has detailed the amount of money spent on travel agency nurses to fill gaps in the provincial healthcare system. And the news is being received very negatively in this province. According to the paper, Canadian Health Labs, which has been providing uh, agency nurses to fill gaps in the healthcare system, um, the company's involvement with the province began with an email at the height of the Omicron wave. Uh, of COVID-19. Aid to the Premier Kevin Ken Carter received a message from a lobbyist who wanted to introduce him to a company that ran COVID testing and vaccination services. Well, the company then shifted to providing temporary nurses and uh, started advertising for nurses to be paid $70 an hour plus accommodations for work in central Newfoundland. That was something that was brought up here on uh, VOCM. Well, that led to contracts for virtual clinic and operations leads, equating to about $161 an hour for nursing work. The contract included annual increases pegged to inflation by May 1st of last year. This is all information provided by the uh, Globe and Mail. The company was billing Central Health the equivalent of $172.22 an hour, not all of which goes to the nurse, by the way. The health authority was also being billed for travel costs for nurses driving to the province press accommodations and meals however the globe found that nurses were told they had to pay for their own food the nurses the globe spoke to didn't receive compensation for their meals and no one seems to know where the 1.6 million dollars paid for meals went it's raising plenty of questions in this province and is going over like a lead balloon well Yvette Coffey of the registered nurses union has been very vocal on the reliance of travel nurses and she joins me now 
Well, Yvette Coffey, the Globe and Mail, now uh, outlining in uh, specific detail uh, many of the concerns raised by the RNU for quite some time now. What's your response? Well, I know we've been raising the issue of agency nurses being paid two to three times uh, the amount and agencies themselves getting paid two to three times the amount that our registered nurses and nurse practitioners are getting paid here in the province. However, to see it on paper, what was actually paid, um, and to see the amount of money that was spent on meals, $1.6 million, paid to this agency, Canadian Health Labs, and then paid to the agency nurses as well, double the amount, it's just astounding. And uh, by all accounts, uh, according to what's uh, outlined there, um, very little in the way of oversight. Does that worry you? That worries me a lot. I really, truly believe that there should be an investigation by the Auditor General into how money was spent on these private agencies, and in particular this one company, which then branched off and uh, actually bought up houses in New Brunswick and uh, gave eviction notices to tenants so that he could have places for to house his agency nurses for his company. He also had rental cars that he rented uh, to these agency nurses, which was then paid for by the health authorities. Uh, for them to drive around and get around while they were here. There is so much to this story that I can't even take it all in myself. I, I really believe the Auditor General needs to look at this and needs to see what happened um, and to investigate the lack of oversight into the spending of taxpayer money. I said yesterday there's three Ds to this when it comes to the registered nurses and nurse practitioners who are still here in this system, who stayed in this system, and who have been holding it together. And all of this points to disrespect, disregard for them, and it's very demoralizing. To hear that these companies got paid over $300 an hour, six times the amount of registered nurse in Newfoundland and Labrador makes something not great. Is there any turning back at this stage? Yes. I mean, right now, we're still in the in the thick of it with a travel locum pilot up in Labrador. So what it is is unionized nurses within the province of Newfoundland and Labrador are actually traveling to Labrador zone and doing what we're calling locums. Same as the agency nurses, except for these nurses, these unionized nurses under the public system, get paid an extra $25 an hour. Not double their salary, not triple their salary, and certainly not six times the salary. And it's working. We're presently doing an evaluation. There's room to grow with that pilot, and that's that's one of the solutions. Nurses are very, very critical thinkers. They're on the ground. They're at the forefront. They have very bright, innovative ideas. And the travel locum is a really good example of an innovative idea to tackle the use of agency nurses and to also help with the vacancies in Labrador. Sitting and standing alongside of them doing the same work. Will you be seeking out a meeting with the minister on this? We've already sent a letter to the Auditor General, uh, the um, President of the Canadian Federation Nurses Union, uh, and each of the um, provincial presidents of the nursing unions have sent letters to Auditor General 
throughout the country asking for a review of uh, the money spent on private agencies. Uh, and on my door is always open to speak with the minister, the premier, whoever, to talk about these issues that are very important, not only to our members, the registered nurses and nurse practitioners, but to the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. This is all of our taxpayers' money that has been spent on these private companies. Yvette Coffey, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Linda. And Yvette Coffey is the president of the Registered Nurses Union. She, of course, has been uh, raising the alarm about the use and reliance on agency nurses for quite some time. Well, coming up, another vocal opponent of the whole concept of paying the private sector to provide public sector services. Uh, coming up after the break, this is News Talk on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com and we're back and we uh, just heard from uh, nurses union president yvette coffee about that uh, globe and mail article that uh, came down over the weekend well nate president jerry earl says this weekend's globe and mail article doesn't tell the full story and he expects more revelations to be uncovered earl says nape has long warned government about relying on the private sector for the delivery of public services jerry earl joins me now Jerry Earl, lots of interesting reading over the weekend. Very much so. Uh, not surprising reading, uh, but certainly once I read it, it was one of those moments when I said, uh, well, we kind of told you so. Because, uh, Linda, we, the then Minister of Health, within days of initially hearing this, uh, stating our concern, stating our opposition to it, and we have continued to oppose it since then. But once I read this, this was jaw-dropping. Uh, and as I understand, in doing a further interview, uh, because this story was so long, everything is not even exposed in this story. So uh, I can only imagine. So uh, what do you make of this now? Uh, what, you know, what should government, how should government proceed? How should they proceed now? They should have proceeded, Linda, long before the pandemic. Because everything gets blamed now on the pandemic. That really uh, shone a light on concerns that was for existing for some time in healthcare. We had said to the previous minister, we had said to the government, there were problems in healthcare before the pandemic ever came up on us. Uh, you're aware that we are on the side of the streets here in St. John's, in front of long-term care facilities, in front of hospitals and central, raising concerns of healthcare workers for a very long time. That was ignored. We had problems before the pandemic. We believe that they've been addressed back then. We would not be in this situation. And what we're talking about here is this one in Canadian, particular Canadian Health Labs uh, that was given a sole source contract. And it's in this story, so it's not NAEP saying it. Uh, it was said where a reach out was made to the Premier's office with an official there. Uh, within a couple of days, uh, Central Health had signed a contract. It's not only central health events from these contracts, which is concerning. This exists on the West Coast. They've existed in Lab Grenfell. Uh, we oppose them. And we went as far as saying, unapologetically, basically saying, if you bring in similar classifications that we represent, you're going to have a greater shortage than you have now. And they could read into it what they like because we were not prepared to stand for it. Uh, First off, it's an absolute insult to healthcare workers, Newfoundland and Labradorians that were working through the pandemic, uh, that are working short-staffed today. And when we read this, we have healthcare workers now that are challenged if they can't make it to work, and we find these... Uh, 
travel nurses were actually provided transportation in the case of central Newfoundland when they couldn't find transportation the same company actually rented cars uh, to central Elsa and in some cases I believe they even brought an air fryer for them uh, so I can only imagine what Newfoundlanders Labradorians what healthcare workers are feeling the absolute disrespect that was shown to them and the costs now that we are bearing as taxpayers just look at the dollars involved we're talking millions of dollars Last year, uh, you and I spoke. I spoke with uh, RNU President Yvette Coffey, and you both called this uh, reliance on uh, on the private um, uh, sector as a, a slippery slope. How do you see it now? A slippery slope is probably an understatement. Uh, we were right when we were making those comments back then. Uh, sometimes unions accuse of raising the alarm. Well, we were trying to tell the general public what was happening behind the scenes, uh, shrouded in secrecy. And the same thing is going to happen in other areas, whether it's the, what's going to happen with the highways now. The same thing, this government keeps going down this path. And soon Newfoundlanders and Labradorians have to say, enough is enough. You were elected to run our province. You were elected to run our health care system. You have to stop relying up on these private entities to come in and make exorbitant profit, profits on the backs of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, insult frontline workers. Because I've used the analogy, you can imagine you or I standing on one side of a patient or a resident's bed and looking across that bed three feet away, and the person on the opposite that bed is making two two to three times what you're making, and then the private company that they're working for is making the equivalent to what that person is making. So you can imagine how frontline workers feel. Uh, I'm pretty upset about this, knowing what Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are going through, our healthcare workers that we represent. This is offensive. Uh, it was a slippery slope back then, and we're on a slope now to where this government is on a path of what they can pass over to private entity they're going to. Well, we have a message for them, and we told them back then, and our message was clear. They didn't do it with a lot of the classifications we represented, because what we said to them, and unapologetically said to them, if you bring in healthcare workers in classifications that we represent, you will have a greater shortage than you have now, and let them read into what they want, because we have taken what action was necessary. Uh, this is unbelievable. As I, like you just said, as you read this story, I hope most Newfoundlanders and Labradorians read it. But in talking to some of the journalists, because I've done another follow-up interview, I understand, because that story is quite lengthy, I'm sure you've read through it, they're saying everything is not even captured in this story uh, and suggested that we should go and get the ATIP, because they had to ATIP this in order to get it. Uh, they said we should go and have a look at because it's even more jaw-dropping. So I can imagine what they found. Jerry Earl, I do appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Linda. Even more jaw-dropping, as uh, Jerry Earl, Nate President, just said. So uh, it will be interesting to see if any more revelations are uncovered in the next little while. Well, we've been talking a lot about uh, the carbon tax and uh, changes to uh, the carbon tax and some of the incentive programs that have been put out there. Well, the federal government is now cutting the amount of money small and medium-sized businesses will be given from carbon pricing 
revenue so it can increase the amount of money rebated to rural families. That's happening even as the government still owes businesses $2.5 billion in carbon pricing revenue from the first five years of the program. Dan Kelly, president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, says businesses were already getting far less back from carbon pricing than they pay, and this will make that even worse. The federal government says it intends to return $623 million in carbon pricing revenue to businesses for the 2023-24 year. That's one-third less than was set aside for business rebates for the previous year, when the carbon price itself was $15 less per tonne. The carbon price rebate programs for business are tied specifically to investments they make in energy efficiencies, but those programs have issued less than $100 million to businesses to date, and that's something that the Canadian Federation of Independent Business has been raising for quite some time now. If you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. Well, I've been watching a lot of the uh, coverage of the uh, death of Alexei Navalny. He is the, uh, I guess, the thorn in the side of uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin. Um, And uh, he died in a penal colony in Siberia last week. It was confirmed. His body still unknown where it is, and uh, the family wants it back for obvious reasons. And I uh, watched a very um, interesting documentary on CNN on the weekend, simply called Navalny, um, about um, uh, the attempt on his life made uh, some years ago uh, with that um, uh, nerve agent. And um, very interesting um, watching for certain. While the mother of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny appealed to President Vladimir Putin to intervene and turn her son's body over to her so she can bury him with dignity. Ludmila Navalnyaya, who has been trying to get his body since Saturday, appeared in a video outside the Arctic penal colony where Navalny died on Friday. Clad in black with the prison's barbed wire fence behind her, Navalnyaya says she has spent a fifth unsuccessfully trying to see the body, but authorities refuse to tell her even where it is. Navalny's team says Russian authorities have said the cause of death is still unknown and refuse to release the body for the next two weeks as the preliminary inquest into his death continues. And that kind of secrecy, I suppose, is uh, raising more questions than it answers. And it's uh, certainly a story that is gaining a great deal of of um, attention worldwide. We've been talking a lot about uh, the uh, healthcare system, and we're going to hear more from the health minister about this uh, Globe and Mail article that appeared uh, on February 16th um, and garnered a great deal of in. um, attention, I should say. And if you haven't read it yet, I would uh, strongly encourage you to do so. It is a lengthy read. It is numerous pages long and goes into the reliance of many health authorities, not just here in Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, but across the country on um, travel, so-called travel or agency nurses, um, nurses that are willing to travel and go to places for short periods of time and uh, get paid uh, a lot more 
more per hour than uh, nurses in the public care system. Now they don't get the same uh, benefits, uh, let's say, for instance, uh, pension and all those kinds of things. But uh, they do, you know, they, they weigh that against, I suppose, the salary that they're able to make. And especially young nurses uh, find that kind of an option very um uh, attractive, uh, especially those who want to see a bit of the, the country and and that kind of thing. But it is having an impact. And um, uh, the question that uh, I'm putting to the health minister is how do you address that and get it back to uh, the pre-pandemic levels that the provincial government is hoping to get it to, where we've spent an awful lot of money um, on uh, travel nurses, while at the same time trying to recruit nurses to the public health care system who are getting paid less than these travel nurses. So is uh, are these competing directly with um, nurses in the public health care system? That remains to be seen. Uh, I'd like to hear what others have to say about it, but when we come back after the break, we'll put those questions to Health Minister Tom Osborne when we come back right after this. This is News Talk on VOCM. VOCM's Noah Shepard is up next with the news. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. And we are back. Well, the Registered Nurses Union has fired a letter off to the Provincial Auditor General calling for an investigation into the use of agency nurses in the delivery of health care in this province. Uh, the recent Globe and Mail article that we've been talking about uh, over the course of the day outlines the millions of dollars spent on agency nurses who travel to the province to fill gaps in health care while working alongside uh, private sector nurses who are uh, public sector nurses, I'm sorry, who have been paid much lower rates. We've heard from Yvette Coffey with the RNU and NAPE President Jerry Earle. Well, Health Minister Tom Osborne joins me now. Minister Osborne, uh, no doubt you've read that uh, Globe and Mail um, article. And while this is an issue that's been discussed uh, by uh, many across the province, including yourself, um, this article really lays out some of the uh, dollars and cents being spent on travel agency nurses and and how the kind of problem it's becoming, I, I would imagine, for government. What's your response? Well, I think it's fair to say every minister across Canada is concerned with uh, the increase in agency nursing. Um, the alternative is to not have uh, the agency nursing and, and have emergency departments closed uh, or uh, services not provided through health care. Um, the answer is to improve recruitment and retention of our registered nurses. Uh, so that we can rely less and less on the agency nursing. And that is something that I'm absolutely dedicated and uh, focused on recruitment and retention uh, so that we can eventually get back to pre-pandemic levels of agency nursing. So how do you address retention and uh, recruitment? Uh, because uh, the nurses union has its membership now who are really upset about this. Yes, and I fully understand that. You know, it, it is a concern when you look at uh, the morale um, of our permanent nurses who have been dedicated to staying and working in our healthcare system. When they work side by side with an agency nurse uh, that is getting paid more, 
um, you know, the benefit of, of a permanent nurse is you have your pension, you have your your other benefits uh, that an agency nurse doesn't. They take uh, higher pay um, with uh, no benefits, but there's benefits to the patient as well in having permanent nurses uh, because you have that continuity of of care and nurses who are used to our system and used to uh, the ward that they're working on or the hospital that they're working in. So, you know, we are absolutely focused on on recruitment. Uh, We are seeing our recruitment numbers go up. Um, We have seen the number of um, vacant positions in nursing go down. Um, So we still have a ways to go. Um, In the St. John's area or the metro area, we peaked out at about 60-plus uh, agency nurses. We're now down to less than 20, and those are on uh, the medicine and, and surgical units, which are harder to recruit to. Um, but we are seeing pockets in the province where we're, we are uh, seeing a reduction in agency nurses. There are pockets in the province where uh, you know, we haven't had the success in in uh, reduction in agency nurses at this stage but that that will come with recruitment higher recruitment numbers who provides the oversight in these contracts uh, this is operational so the oversight is purely within the provincial health authority uh, who negotiate the contracts and execute the contracts um some of the concerns that were raised in the Global Mail article, um, I have asked the deputy in the department to write the health authority asking for clarification of the concerns that were raised. Um, a number of months ago, we wrote the health authority um, regarding due diligence. Um, we have also uh, impressed the fact that we need to see a reduction in the Uh, number of agency nurses working in the province. Um, Again, that comes with recruitment. We're in a globally challenging recruitment environment. Um, The alternative to not having agency nurses at this particular point in time is having gaps in service or closure of emergency departments, uh, which is not acceptable uh, by any standard. So I've called agency nursing a, a necessary evil because we absolutely need it at the moment, but I would be the first person in in Canada to celebrate uh, at the reduction of agency nursing to pre-pandemic levels. Agency nursing has been around for decades, but it has traditionally been in the most rural areas, um, northern areas across the country. Uh, We have seen since the pandemic um, agency nursing used at record numbers in every jurisdiction of Canada. Does it concern you that a a single contractor in this particular case uh, appeared to be calling the shots when it came to um, uh, public funds, uh, charging for per diems and travel and housing and, and in some cases meals, which the nurses weren't even entitled to? So those are the types of things we've asked for clarification from the health authority. Um, if if the letter of the contract was followed, um, then, you know, the concern is the amount of money being spent on agency nursing. 
if the letter of the contract is not followed, then you're into a, a completely different scenario uh, and and those concerns raised. So we need clarification from the Provincial Health Authority to determine whether or not this contract uh, was followed to the letter of the contract um, and uh, you know, then determine uh, next steps. Um, we all understand that agency nursing is expensive. We understand that the particular company uh, that was highlighted in the Global Mail article is more expensive than other companies. Um, you know, looking back at the height of the pandemic and every province, every hospital, every health authority um, desperate for nurses, uh, I'm not sure we can blame the, the health authorities for doing what they could to get nurses to ensure the delivery of health care services. But it is something that, uh, you know, the, the cost of agency nursing uh, that is uh, concerning. Um, but it's better than the alternative of, of not having uh, the services provided. But I will say unequivocally, uh, I have uh, lobbied uh, my provincial counterparts to come up with solutions to reduce the reliance on agency nursing. Uh, you need every province in the country or every jurisdiction uh, working on this because if, if you know one province does not um, get out of the agency nursing business or reduce the reliance on agency nursing, uh, that's where all of the folks that want that lifestyle. Uh, there are nurses who um, want to travel and want to experience different locations and like the higher rate of pay uh, than uh, they get with a permanent job, and you know, even, even though they don't get the benefits. So we need every jurisdiction focused on a reduction in agency nursing for this to work. The opposition is uh, calling on the AG to investigate. Is that, that something that you would welcome? I think we need to get the details from, it's not something that I would discount, um, and it may very well be needed. But, you know, I think we need to uh, get the answers from the health authority on whether or not the, the contract was followed to the letter of the contract. Um, and answers to the concerns that were raised uh, in the, the Globe and Mail article, they may, you know, th there may be very justifiable answers uh, to those questions, and there may not be. Um, but uh, you know, I think, in fairness, we need those answers before we can answer that question. Tom Osborne, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, that's what Tom Osborne has had to say about this unfolding controversy. Well, we're going to go now to uh, Wayne, who's on the line uh, and wants to weigh in. Hello, Wayne. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. I have a, a couple of questions for Mr. Osborne, if he's still on there listening. Uh, I was wondering what the cost was for, for uh, recruitment when they go out of the country and they bring people back here. What's the total cost per person that they're spending for getting their health care up to, up to standard? I the think most of the have... nurses that they're recruiting from other uh, areas of the world uh, already have their training in sort of comparable okay. programs. Yes. Okay. So, what do they promise them when they're getting here? Do they get, do they get more than nurses here now to come? 
the other thing is is that in in trades if you were an electrician or plumber or some kind of a trade you would go through a, a training program you start off at the bottom of the list that's probably something we should look at here in the medical field is to take some PCAs and work them into nursing assistants and work the nursing assistants into nurses and probably the nurses into doctors and work it work it the same way as they do in trades so that your work as you're being trained yeah, uh, of course, each of these uh, professions has their own uh, college, uh, if you know what I mean, uh, yeah. you know, their own regulatory yeah. body. So it's a it's a very yes. different kind of structure from the trades. Yes, I understand that. But it wouldn't be a bad idea if uh, you had people training to go move up the ladder instead of just staying in one position. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they have their uh, different uh, classifications as they go uh, through their own professions, if you know what I mean. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, based on seniority and all those kinds of things as well within the uh, within the union structure, I would imagine. Well, I don't know if they they do move up. They work and then they get paid, but they don't seem to be moving up. There should be some some incentive to move them out of one position and onto a higher position. You know. All right. Um, I'm not familiar with the system as uh, uh, as much as a, a lot of other people might be. So if anyone has an yeah. answer to that, they're certainly welcome to give us a call. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Wayne. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, and that's uh, Wayne there with some questions about um, uh, nurse recruitment. Uh, when we come back, um, we are going to uh, go to Quebec, where we're going to speak with the Secretary Treasurer for the FFAW, Jason Spingle, uh, coming up right after this. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And we are back and we're going to go now to Dennis O'Keefe. Hello, Dennis. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm snowed in. Well, I'm snowed out now, but... uh... I says, we know where we live and we know how to deal with it, hey? Right on. And the thing now is, how do we deal with the way both levels of federal government, both liberal parties, for that matter, are, are, are just flicking around public money? I mean, there's money flying everywhere, and nobody knows where it's going. Nobody knows how the contracts are being let. There apparently is absolutely no oversight on the part of government. I'm listening to your interview with uh, Tom, uh, Mr. Osborne, the Minister of Health, who was busy writing letters rather than dealing face-to-face with these people and, and finding out what happened uh, specifically now. We have the CAN-APP issue in, in Ottawa that the Liberal government, the Trudeau government, is messed up and mixed up in and uh, uh, an app that should have cost ninety or a hundred thousand dollars at best that a university student in technology could probably do for little or nothing ended up costing us sixty million dollars at least nobody knows where the money went there's no accountability we do know that there's a small company of owned by two young people we don't know if there's any connections in terms of the Liberal Party or the Liberal government or how that contract was let out because it was so, sole sourced. 
and we have parallels here now in in Newfoundland Labrador with with this uh, travel nurse situation and the enormous cost to taxpayers here in Newfoundland Labrador. It seems, from what I can gather from the Globe and Mail article and from the discussion on it today, that uh, it was sole sourced. The contract didn't go out for bids or didn't go out for proposals from selective or selected companies in the plural. It was given to one company. And apparently, from what I've heard from the news media, it was given to that company shortly after a meeting between a senior official at Confederation Building and that company. We don't know if there's any connections there. And we don't know, uh, listening to Mr. Osborne, he's saying that uh, Health Services Newfoundland has the oversight, but you know, the bottom line is the Minister of Health and the Premier of the province have the oversight, or should have the oversight, and so it just gets, given the situation in healthcare, given the, the, the you know, the complete mess that our healthcare system is in, and uh, there just doesn't seem to be, there seems to be millions and millions and millions of dollars being spent and without any oversight and without any accountability whatsoever. And one wonders, you know, it begs the question, how much more of this kind of thing are we going to uh, learn about? Only because both of these scenarios, the Arrive Can app fiasco that the AG, uh, the federal AG uncovered, and uh, this situation involving um, the travel nurses, both evolved during COVID when, um, you know, quick responses were required for pretty unique circumstances. So um, those weren't the only um, unique circumstances that came up during the course of COVID when quick responses were required. So uh, why were processes thrown out the window? I, I imagine only for expediency purposes, but if that was the case, like, that can't happen. It can't happen. These are f- federal funds, provincial funds, these are taxpayer dollars, and we're all getting squeezed right now. And to learn that uh, governments are spending this kind of money without any, or what appears to be, without any real oversight is is mm. quite shocking to an awful lot of people. It is. And, you know, the other particularly irksome thing, to me anyhow, is the fact that we had to learn this from the Globe and Mail. I mean... If, if the article, I assume the Globe and Mail did due diligence, and uh, I don't know if they had... Well, they got it through ATIP requests, and the reason why they got so much information on Newfoundland and Labrador is because our ATIP uh, process is so transparent compared to other provinces. So that's where right. they got a lot of that, through just, just regular old ATIPs. Um, so um, it's available to anybody who asks the right questions, I suppose. Well, and we should be asking the right questions right here at the uh, us, 
uh, you and I and everybody else in the media and the investigative journalism side of things and, and uh, getting into these public issues that involve, as you rightly point out, millions of dollars being tossed around, no accountability whatsoever, and you can go back to the, the whole uh, NALCOR thing, and, and no accountability, no idea of, of who got the money or why they got it, no idea of how it was spent, and it, it seems to be an item for a few days, and, and then it gets lost in the in in a snowdrift and maybe that's what some of our political leaders think that and and i hope they're not right that things like this can happen and they have a lifespan of four or five days and then life goes on and everybody forgets about it but i know the the ag has been asked now to investigate and get into the detail of uh uh, what happened and you know that's well and good and I hope she does and if she does that's one thing and the second step then is well okay after because we've been down this road a few times where we've had commissions and investigations and auditor generals coming back with scathing reports and that's where it ends there's never any follow-up, nothing ever happens, there's no accountability, and the public money is just flowing out, and a lot of it is borrowed money, as you and I know. Uh, you know, I mean, and it's that government money anyhow. It's my money and your money. And our children's and grandchildren's money. Yeah, and they're going to be a long time paying this stuff off uh, the, the way they, they uh, on both levels, federal and provincial, uh, the way the money is is just going out the door. Anyhow, it's particularly irksome, and I, and I hope on both levels there is, as a result of some of these exposures, there's uh, accountability, and we get some insight as to what happened and how it happened so that it doesn't happen again in the future. I mean, this whole idea of just sole sourcing, that uh, the government department can simply decide, well, okay, we're going to give the contract to this company. Like, I, I, it, it just boggles the imagination that uh, something like this can happen that easily involving so many millions of dollars that a meeting can be held, uh, again, according to the news report, involving a public official. And um, as a result of that, this company is given the contract and away to go. And then there's no accountability and there's no oversight. And you have the situation where, as you point out, uh, amounts were paid out for apparently per diems for nurses and and meals that the nurses ever received, I think the figure is $1.6 million. And I guess that $1.6 million, which was paid out by Dennis O'Keefe and Linda Swain and everybody else for supposedly uh, meals and allowances for these travel nurses, they never got that. So that money went into somebody's pocket in terms of a company, I would imagine. And um, that's why uh, these... 
processes that are put in place that may seem uh, inconvenient or laborious uh, to some are so vitally important. And thank God for the Fifth Estate, uh, meaning the um, uh, journalistic community for... uh, And by the way, a lot of what's in this Globe and Mail article was already well known and reported on. But, uh, you know, here and there and dribs and drabs and not in one big, long, comprehensive when it really starts to hit you in the face. It does. And, you know, uh, within the next year or so, uh, we're going to have elections on federal and provincial levels. And I hope people do. People remember what's happening and where the money went when, when these elections take place. And hopefully we have alternatives to what we currently have. Dennis, we have to leave it there. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. You have a good day. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And Dennis O'Keefe has said the last word on uh, News Talk today. We'll be back tomorrow. Do join us then. Thanks for listening, everyone. 